going to get into it really speedily here. What I can promise you on a Palm Sunday is a Palm Sunday sermon because that's what God said to preach. So if you have Bibles, you might want to follow. I'm going to dwell on a few verses. I'm going to skip through some stuff because of time. But genuinely, I really feel everything that's happened this morning has helped. It's great. So if you can find Matthew 12, beginning at verse 8, for those of you who've got Bibles, that would be really good. And I'm going to uh, give a go at this thing. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just live with it. So we're starting a, we've started last week a season, a series on kingdom, his rule, his reign, all about God's kingdom. And today's message is really that Jesus is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And Palm Sunday is about that. That's exactly what it's about. So we have to remember that Jesus is the fulfilment of the kingdom. He is the fulfilment of all of God's promises. Everything that we need, everything that the earth needs, everything that everything needs is in Christ. And at the moment of Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters Jerusalem, that is the moment of recognition of that. It is a recognition of God's kingdom, the coming of God's kingdom. And not just the coming of God's kingdom, but the coming of God's kingdom that inevitably will lead to the establishment of God's rule in every corner of the earth, in every corner of everyone's life. But, there's, Alison, there's always a but. So, (laughs) Jesus comes in the triumphal entry and there's palms and there's donkeys or a donkey and a colt or whatever you want to call it. There are all those things. But ultimately, they are asked, what is this? The whole city stirs and asks because there's this huge fuss that goes on. Who's this bloke? This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And the people shout. Anyone who went to Sunday school, do you remember what they shouted? Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, or blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So the people in Jerusalem genuinely believed that the kingdom had come. That was the moment. And after this morning's worship, and after everything that's gone on, and knowing all the people in the room, do I really need to stand up here and persuade you that Jesus is the fulfilment of God's kingdom? Now, if you don't know that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's kingdom and you really genuinely don't know and you think Jesus is just another one of them, come and talk to us because Jesus is so much more. But for those of you that know Jesus is God, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, we need to understand that Jesus comes and the kingdom is fulfilled in him. But you see, there's a result to God's kingdom. The results of God's kingdom are always unexpected. And that's the problem for us. You see, Jesus, when he comes into Jerusalem, doesn't ride his donkey up to Pilate's palace and say, right, the rules come, everything is now going to be perfect and normal and brilliant. And all of the people who believe in me are going to be fine and everyone else is going to be cast out into the wailing and gnashing of teeth. No matter how much people wanted him to do it, he didn't do that. You see, Jesus immediately goes to the centre 
of worship to the place where God's presence is real, which in Jerusalem is the temple. And he turns over the tables, which is one of my favourite passages, but that's not today's sermon. Another day, please let me preach on that. (laughs) He turns over the tables. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, in that place. Not in the central part of the temple, because they weren't allowed there. Because they're blind and lame, you see, and that shows that they're not God's people. Because God's people can't possibly have a limp. They come to him in the outer courts because it's the only place they're allowed to go. And he heals them. I mean, wow. Now, Jesus is the fulfilment of all of the promises of the Old Testament. And the people, the leaders of the churches, the leaders of the, of the Jewish church, the, the, the synagogues and all the rest of it, they utterly, utterly believed that there would be a Messiah coming, that there would be a man who would come, who would fulfill these things, he would be the king, he would usher in the kingdom of God. And do you know what the sign of the kingdom of God is? Healing and wholeness. The lame will walk, the blind will see, the dead will be raised And Jesus immediately starts to do that. And what is the response? When they saw him, the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, because all the kids, of course, children always recognize good stuff when they see it, they were indignant. Indignation. You see, and this is my experience as a Christian, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, because frankly, if I was in charge, the world would be a far better place. Um, frankly, if I, if I was in charge, then there wouldn't be war, and there wouldn't be all this illness, and the NHS would be amazing, and all that sort of stuff. But you see, unfortunately, it's God who's in charge. And see, there's the problem, isn't it, really? It's really uncomfortable. How many people here really genuinely believe they want to see God's kingdom come? Okay, I've got bad news for you. There is good news as well. The good news is God's kingdom has come in Jesus, in fulfilment, and it's coming even further now, not yet, on the way. The bad news is it never comes as you expect it. I... Many of you who have done the Alpha course will know this, but G.K. Chesterton once entered a letter-writing competition, and the letter-writing competition he won was in the Times. And the Times letter-writing competition is, what is the problem with this world? And thousands of people wrote letters. Dear sir, the problem with this world is the government. Dear sir, the problem is blah, 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 blah. G.K. Chesterton won with a very simple letter. Sir, because that's how you write to the editor of the Times, just so you know, if you ever need to. Sir. Actually, I wonder if the editor's a woman at the moment. (laughs) Sir, I am. And I'm really aware how flawed I am. Now, I, I don't know how the rest of you feel about this, but the best thing that ever happened in my life was coming to Christ. And the most important things that have happened throughout my life, and I've been a Christian for many years, 
have been those times where God has called me closer and closer and closer. And every single one of them has been so hard. And you see, we greet God's word with indignation because God's word is uncomfortable. Now, the reality of God's kingdom you will find in the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, okay? If you want to look up there later, that's absolutely fine. But what he says is, you know, um, where were you when the prisoner was in prison and the poor were hungry and all the rest of it? I could go through all of that. Don't have time to read it. But the king will reply to those who did help them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me, Come into my kingdom and make your place. See, I really don't want to be judgmental, naggy, anything like that. But if we take God seriously, we cannot turn around and say, I believe your word, but that I can't cope with. Oh. There's just so much to say. You see, I look out on you and I I feel God's heart for you because that's kind of where I come from. That's what God does in me. God gives me words and stuff. And God loves you guys. Not the church. I mean, yeah, he loves the church. That's great. But he loves you. You see, when you were lost in your sin, in darkness... He came to you. Do I need to remind you of those first moments? Those, that time when, whether you became a Christian unexpectedly or whether you have this amazing drug-fueled testimony or whatever in between, there comes a moment in every person's life when they kind of wake up and go, oh yeah, Jesus is king. That's the triumphal entry. That's that moment where you suddenly realise it's him. He's come. Blessed is he because he comes as the king in the name of the Lord. That's the first moment. But where does he go? He always goes to those places which are sore and those places which are damaged and those places which are difficult. And the reason for that isn't because he doesn't love you. It's because he does love you. He wants to see you complete. God had a perfect plan to create every single human being. God also had a perfect plan to create the earth and all societies. God has a perfect plan. And God points out the things that are imperfect because he has a perfect plan. And the reason he points it out in us is because he wants us to be more like Jesus because Jesus is the fulfilment of the kingdom. And all of us are representatives of Christ, Jesus. We are all members of the kingdom of God. And so when we are coming to God to become more like Jesus, we have to change. Does anyone disagree with that? I'm really happy to have a debate because I'm feeling very much up for it. (laughs) But there's another reason why Jesus is so uncomfortable. It's because he didn't just come for you. He came for the world. And you see, 
the reality of the kingdom of God is that God's kingdom brings light into darkness. The problem with that is if we are representatives of God's kingdom, if we are part of that fulfillment of God's kingdom, we have to go into dark places. And that's hard. Especially because it seems that God always calls us into the dark places that really, really affect our past. (laughs) and tempt us and call us into difficult situations. But if you're called by Christ to be light in the world, then you're called into dark places. I am called into dark places. See, the thing about God's kingdom is God's kingdom brings healing to the broken. The problem with that is that we have to be among the broken. And the broken are really messy. See, the problem is they're broken. It's funny, isn't it? God doesn't call us to the mended. And I wish he did, because it'd be so much more pleasant. He doesn't. Jesus doesn't go from the triumphal entry to the palace. He goes to the outer courts of the temple, where there are just horrible things happening. Money, if you don't have it, you can't get in. Lame, if if you've got a limp, you can't get in because it's a sign of God's hatred of you. It's blindness, all of those things. See, God calls us to those people, which means we need to be among those people. God's kingdom is rescue to the lost. What does the good shepherd do? Leave behind the 99 and go into the darkness to find the lost one. The problem with us Absolutely believing that God has come to save the lost is that we have to go and seek the lost. Oh, that's painful. And do you know they're really quite hard to find sometimes? Do you know why? Because they're lost. And the real problem is that most of the time they don't know they are. See, as human beings, we have this incredible, incredible ability to live in difficult circumstances, to make normal the abnormal. I mean, the war in Ukraine is showing that. I mean, it's horrific. And people are carrying on. And you only have to read the history books about, you know, the Second World War, every war that's ever happened, about Victorian England, which was an awful place to live if you didn't have money. All of those places... And people take the worst of circumstances and they make them normal. We are people and we make them normal. How many here have a leaky shower? (laughs) If you were in a hotel, how many here would go and complain? How many here can't be bothered to do it at home because it's at home? Now, that's not difficult, but that is normal now. If we need to rescue the lost, if Jesus is rescuing the lost and we are called to be his people in his kingdom, then we're called to rescue the lost. That means we have to go where the lost are. Because it's really rare for a lost person to walk right into the middle of one of our meetings and go, oh, I'm lost, could you help me? I mean, it happens. Guys, it's not the norm. Life to the dead. What is it? 
we have to remember that the triumphal entry happens and it's the celebration of Jesus as king. Yes? Hands up who believes that. I want some interaction here because I'm feeling very lonely today. We have to remember that at that moment, they celebrated out loud, singing and dancing and celebrating. God's done it. The kingdom has come. Amazing things are happening. But the crucifixion hasn't even happened yet. We're about to enter Holy Week, which traditionally is when Christians remember the last week of Jesus' life. And if you get the chance this week, read the Gospels, read the Holy Week stories, because they're just, um, I mean, you know, it's pretty amazing. But the result of Jesus coming in glory is that he's rejected. The result of Jesus going to the temple, healing the sick, doing amazing things, is our indignation. How can he possibly come? We've been doing this for years. We've never seen this happen. And then he comes, this, this bloke comes in without a buy your leave and tells me I'm doing it wrong. Well, of course, no churches are like that. So, <laughs> and Christians are well known for not being like that because we're always open to correction. Have you noticed that? The thing is, in order for there to come life to the dead, we need to go where the dead are and we need to bring life. And it really goes back to this first one, which I think is one of the most amazing metaphors in, in the history of the world ever. Light in the darkness. I mean, how, you go into a dark room and light a candle. You understand it immediately. And I'm one light. And if you're standing with me, that's two lights. And the more lights you get, the brighter it becomes. And I mean, this, this projector thing up here is measured in lumens. And a lumen is a candle. I don't know, it's, what is it, 6,000 lumens or something ridiculous like that? The more light that gets together in one place and in, an, in a town the better. The thing is, okay, and this is the question, we believe that Jesus is king, yes? yes. We believe that we represent Jesus as king because we're called to him, yes? yes? So what does that look like? Because it looks different for you than for me. And I've got noted down here, I hesitate to share my experience for the very simple reasons. First, it's not your experience, so it may not ring true. And second, it may sound like I'm boasting because then you stand up and you say, well, I live this life and Jesus is with me. It doesn't, it's not as simple as that. Some of you know me, some of you know, I, I, I work with people in the worst grief and I bring laughter and I don't know how I do it because I feel like crying most of the time. That's the light that I take. Now, think for a second. Where are you? Where has God placed you? Because the thing is, God called you to be like Jesus, him, as an ambassador to the king. And he didn't call you by accident. 
and he didn't call you in ignorance, and he didn't call you because he doesn't know your circumstances. He called you. He knows every circumstance, thought, all of those things that are in there, and he still called you for a reason. To take light into darkness, healing to the broken, rescue to the lost, and bring life where there is death. That's not nagging, is it? I mean, that's the truth. But you see, we are empowered. We often dwell on the Great Commission. We often dwell on the fact that it calls us to reach the lost and to baptise everybody. I'm not baptising everybody. I'm not reaching the lost. What will I do? Read on just a little bit. Because Jesus says... Surely I am with you always. That follows the passage about the Great Commission. That means when we are doing the Great Commission, Jesus is with us. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit because the other thing that hasn't happened yet at Triumphal Entry is Pentecost hasn't happened yet. The church hasn't started to grow. The next 2,000 years hasn't happened. The kingdom is fully here and not entirely here yet. But we have the power to bring the kingdom because we are called to live in imitation of Jesus' life. Very often as Christians, as people, as human beings, what we do is we live in our circumstances and we see that it's dark and we see that there's death and we see that there's difficulty and it's around us. It may not be in our particular bit, but it's around us. We see that and we see that and we think, I, I cannot do anything about that. We are welcoming the king who is with us always. I can't do anything about those things. But he can, and he does, and we're empowered. And if you take nothing else from today, and if you feel no sense of God's presence at all today, hear this sentence. God is with you. God is with you, God is in you, God is seen through you. You are light because he is light in you. You are healing because he heals through you. You rescue the lost because you have found yourself and you know where to lead them to. You go to the dead because you're alive. You were dead to your sins and now you're alive in Christ and your life is contagious. And the only way we do that is when we look at Jesus, not our circumstances. Look at hope, not hopelessness. Look to the light, not to the darkness. Don't need to be overwhelmed by the darkness. Do you know why? Because you have the light. It's always amazing when you have a campfire in the middle of the woods. I haven't done this very often because I'm not really an outdoorsy kind of guy. You have a campfire in the middle of the woods. Have you noticed when you turn away from the campfire and look out, it looks even darker and you stand there and you think, oh, I'm being overwhelmed by the dark. But actually all you have to do is turn around and the campfire's behind you. Light is there. We just need to look to the light, not the darkness. Now, 
That's not bad, you know. That's skipped over most things. However, what I really think we need to do is we need to take a moment to acknowledge some things, okay? As far as I can tell, nothing I have said is offensive, although you never know because Jesus said offensive things and he healed people. However, as far as I can tell, what I'm saying is the truth. And all of us know it's the truth. All of us who are followers of Jesus know that actually we are called, we are empowered, we are full of God, we are light to the darkness, as far as I know. I also know that if you're anything like me, and I hope you're not, but I think you are, there are things where you just feel overwhelmed and you just feel, where is God? And those things may be really small and you look around other people and you say, well, they seem to be entirely together. Why can't I? Don't look at the darkness. Or they may seem really big. I can't stop the war. What am I going to do? Don't look at the darkness. And what I believe God wants us to do briefly is simply to stand up, if you want to. I'm going to explain before I ask you to do it. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to do this. Stand up, close your eyes, and think of that darkness. And I'm going to pray, and then you're going to turn 180 degrees, which is behind you for those of you that aren't good at maths, as a physical act of turning to the light, and then we'll pray again. Now, you don't have to do this. You really don't, because... If you're anything like me, you'll feel a little bit of an idiot. That's fine, because everyone's going to feel an idiot. So if you want to stand up, please do. Now, it's a standard thing for us to do is to put our hands out in front of us in preparation to receive. So do that and close your eyes and forget who's behind you, but make sure that the chair is not right behind your knees because you might fall over. And just take a moment. Take a moment, like you did with the stones earlier, just take a moment to look at those things, those circumstances, where you feel overwhelmed, you feel underpowered, you feel not like God's kingdom's there. And then I'm going to pray. You can pray your own prayer if you want to. That's fine. I don't expect you to repeat after me. I'm just going to pray because someone needs to. Father God, and I'm praying this from my heart, I know there are things in my life where I just don't have it together. There are people I know who I just cannot help. There are circumstances I see where I feel utterly hopeless. some of us it might be work, for some of us it might be family, for some of us it might be politics, it could be anything. But I know in my life there are those things. And Lord God, I believe that Jesus is the light of the world and that he came in fulfilment of the kingdom. And so I choose intentionally 
to turn to him now. And if you want to turn, just turn. And take a moment to choose to look to the light. That moment that God called you. That moment where you knew, I am saved. He knows me. He empowers me. And just take a moment to look at that. God is light. And in light, darkness disappears. Father, Holy Spirit, fill us now with fresh strength and fresh power.